Welcome to Season 2 of Nutrier Performing Arts Stories. I'm Dwayne Burkhardt. Last season, I dedicated two episodes to WNTH, which is not technically part of the Performing Arts Department at Nutrier, but it involves many of the same people and many of the same skills. And listeners clearly liked it. So I'm happy to do it again this year. Our guest today is one of the most successful broadcasters to come out of Nutrier. John Suntress is easily one of the most well-known and universally liked radio personalities in WNTH history. He went on from Nutrier to spend decades in broadcast radio and is now the host of the world-famous Word Balloon podcast. John, welcome to Nutrier Performing Arts Stories. Dwayne, it's a pleasure. I really appreciate you uh, asking me to do this. And honestly, I, I do want to talk about NTH, but you know, I, I stuck my foot in the performing arts. I... Uh, I was taught by uh, Suzanne Adams. I was uh, in uh, Philadelphia, here I come in my freshman year. And my senior year, I was in uh, Cyrano. You were in Cyrano. That's right. That's right. You did do Cyrano with us. That's right. Yep. But yeah, I mean, I I guess radio really was and broadcasting was more of a love for me uh, than stage performing. Well, And we'll we'll talk about your love for that because it was infectious and obvious. And I'm going to make that comment later. But as you know, I, I generally start the show by going all the way back to Nutrier and and talking about how your experiences there influenced you. And what exactly was it that led you to WNTH at all in the first place? How did you get involved with WNTH to start? Well, even prior to freshman year in high school, I was fascinated by radio, the voice coming through your transistor radio, and especially summertime when we didn't have school and I could stay up later. And really, live news radio, to me, was the same uh, excitement that I get from going online and reading uh, things and watching things and listening to things on the internet, because there was this whole ecosystem of broadcasting that was giving us the world news as it was happening. And I thought that was incredible. And it really fascinated me. Back in seventh grade, there was a school pageant about the bicentennial. And I uh, I was I was asked to be the narrator. And it was great. And I, I already was kind of fascinated by broadcasting. And I really took it as seriously as, as a seventh grader could, being the narrator. And all the teachers afterwards were like, John, you're so good at this. You know, when you grow up, you should be on the radio or TV. And I'm like, yeah, all right. You know. (laughs) Why, yes, I should. (laughs) That's that's awesome. So, yeah, knowing that NTH existed, I listened to NTH when I was uh, in in seventh and eighth grade. And I would call in and the kids that were running it there would talk to me and stuff, which was great. And I got to say, as a freshman... And and likely other clubs were like this as well. The upperclassmen were so great to us freshmen. And I think of yes. Dave Mary, Gary Price and, and others, and you probably have the same experience as well, that yeah, they were really like really great to us. And and it's funny, I've maintained a lot of these friendships to this day. In fact, my good friend Gene Stern, who was a, a senior when I was a freshman, God, he became a massive older brother influence in my life. And he turned 60 a year or two ago. I went to his party and I, and I said, you know, we all kind of spoke, you know, we gave testimonials to Gene. God, Gene really welcomed me into NTH. Then uh, when I was a senior at Nutrier, um, when I was trying to think of what school to go to, Gene was like, you know, he had that great, perfect radio voice. And he's like, oh, Johnny, you, you got to come down to Illinois State. You can apply everything you learned here. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Your I'm, impression is perfect. That's amazing. Wow. 
Wayne, I can't help it, man. I honestly that was, uh, that was great. Does Gene know that you do him that well? Oh, Is that oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, no, man. I mean, that's really I truly it's become a staple of my broadcast career and even in <laughs> podcasting. But yeah, you know, I was I was really any anyone that could manipulate their voice, whether it was giving a, a straight kind of radio Casey Kasem kind of delivery or the great Mel Blank and other wonderful uh, voice actors and impression impressionists. I, I love that stuff. And it's like, can I do that? I mean, I was doing uh, David Lander's Squiggy from Lenny and Squiggy on Laverne and Shirley. Mm-hmm. Mike Tyson, you know, they're basically, basically I'm a good fighter and I look forward. <laughs> uh, that's, yeah, man, I mean, it's just fun. And it, truly a lot of times it was my way of distinguishing myself from other people that were trying to get into broadcasting, whether it was high school, college or, or pro jobs, you know? So you get out of college and you're one of the few of us that is focused like a laser beam in broadcasting. Talk to me a little bit about how you moved into professional broadcasting and what that experience was like, how it was different for you, that sort of thing. Um, When I was at Illinois State, there were local radio opportunities. It wasn't the pre-programmed syndication, filling in time or voice tracking where God, nowadays, I really feel for people trying to break in yeah. because a lot of radio people are hosting in different markets and are really taking you know several jobs rather than just one. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I was lucky when I was at Illinois State, I, applying what Gene suggested to me. The great thing about NTH was uh, not only learning from the upperclassmen, but also from uh, Northwestern University. And you are really- And you are. Yeah, they looked at us as their little brothers as well and sisters. And they were great to go, oh, you know something? I know you're a high school radio station, but you guys should be subscribing to the College Music Journal because that'll help you get better record service and stuff. And we're like, yeah, okay. So I went to, you know, Illinois State and I'm like, are we doing CMJ? They had no idea what it was. So I became a program director of the college station in my sophomore year. Because you had been at WNTH and knew this stuff. Yeah. That is amazing. That's a great story. So, so yeah. So then, obviously, distinguishing myself at, at Illinois State, there were three places to work or four down in Bloomington. And I ended up at the adult contemporary radio station. And at first, um, God, they weren't even 24 hours. They would sign off at midnight. Mm. And I had the I had the evening shift. First, I was in a weekend uh, fill-in guy. Weekend drive, right. Yep. And then they and then they let me do the evening show, and uh, yeah, it was crazy. You know, it was you know soft rock. <laughs> you know, it was it really was. It was Duncan. Oh, I know that voice. Yep, there it is. Yep. And, you know that if you remember, that's what uh, BBM uh, FM B ninety six was when we were a kid. That's right. Yep. So so yeah, it was a combination of uh, adult contemporary and oldies, and I was an oldies freak. Again, uh, another upperclassman, a West upperclassman. Jeff Marcus, there was the nationally syndicated show that came out of Chicago, Solid Gold Saturday Night. And we were just massive 60s, even 50s fans and 60s fans. And I really got to know the top 40 of the 50s and 60s and 70s. So, you know, I brought that knowledge along to to the pro job. Did that for about three years, came back up here. And, you know, I've been really fortunate because um, I didn't know what to do. I was working... You know, I was working at a bank. I had a couple, you know, typical 20s. You're in your, you're doing several jobs to make ends meet. And Dave Marin, who was working at the Kenosha News, he said, you know, you love boxing. We've got amateur boxing up here in Kenosha. 
you should come and cover a tournament and write something and I will, uh, I'll get it in the Kenosha news. And he did. So that led to kind of a domino effect of me trying to find out about local boxing in Chicago. And I did, I submitted stories to ring magazine and boxing illustrated. And ultimately Chet Kopic, the great uh, former Nutria grad. Yep. And he had his uh, night five nights a week or actually six nights. Cause even Saturday, but I started appearing on that based on my writing articles for ring magazine and boxing illustrated. And a lot of, you know, this is the early nineties, late eighties and um, pay-per-view was starting to f- happen. Right. So uh, I would come on whenever there was a big Friday or Saturday night pay-per-view and uh, Chet would put me on for five minutes and we talked boxing and he loved boxing. So that helped me at the magazine, my, my credibility being on the Chicago show regularly Chet got to know Bert Sugar, who was the publisher of Boxing Illustrated. They became friends and they were very sweet. And they're like, hey, you know, Suntress is pretty good. Yes, Suntress is pretty good. So that really helped me out. And then when the score started, Dan McNeil, who was Chet Kopic's producer, went to the score and I had established a relationship with Dan talking boxing with him and also uh, with Chet. And I'm like, hey, get me at the score. So I started off uh, screening uh, phone calls. Uh, on the weekends and occasionally chiming in when it was boxing because they knew about my credentials from the magazine. And I slowly worked my way in within, uh, within a year I got on the afternoon show as a producer and occasional weekend host. And I spent uh, just over nine years at the score and that kind of, you know, started my, my radio career in uh, Chicago. That's awesome. And then you, do you, you went from there to XRT. Is that, well, uh, XRT was the sister station of the score. Right. So that was great. And um, at first, they, they when the score showed up, you got to understand it, XRT it was such a laid back rock station. Right. They were just, they, it, yeah, they're like the epitome of dude. <laughs> yeah. Yes, right. it was. It was dude yeah. radio. Absolutely. Dude radio. Yeah. <laughs> and, and all of a sudden, these very loud, boisterous uh, sports guys are in the same building on the other side of the building. And it really kind of disrupted their dude clubhouse. But eventually they got to know a lot of us and understood that, okay, we might've had a different vibe, but also me coming from music. I admired these guys. Of course I listened to XRT in high school and, and even late junior high. And, and it's Illinois state prior to uh, people be able to just stream your favorite channel from wherever in the world. You could hook up a cable, just like to get cable television. You could hook it up to your stereo and get XRT piped in from Chicago, which was like an oasis of great music and great broadcasting amidst the uh, Bloomington normal. Right. So that was fantastic. There's only so many corn reports that you can hear. And then, yeah. Amen. Absolutely. You know, our (laughs) (laughs) our station, the soft rock station, we would do the morning farm reports from the Illinois Farm Bureau. And because McLean County, where Bloomington is, was a big agricultural center of Chicago or of Illinois. So, yeah, Max Armstrong and Orion Samuelson were gods in McLean County doing their show from WGN, but being piped throughout Illinois on the, on the Farm Bureau network and everything. Well, anyway, I, uh, I, I, Norm Weiner, the program director of XRT, from when I was high school to really into the 2000s, the, he was a radio god to me. And I would go to the Loyola Radio Conference, which was this great conference for college and high school radio stations, and just hang on every word Norm said. He didn't know me, 
but just as somebody in the audience asking questions and after a panel that he would do asking more questions of him and stuff. So then uh, getting to the score and everyone, you know, back then it was local, you know, it's local radio. Everybody needs help. So I started helping doing uh, features for XRT for Saturday morning flashback and other productions. So all the DJs and Norm got to know me better. And two years into working at the score and XRT, I became the production director of the score and uh you know so i made all the commercials and i brought as opposed to any sports knowledge and this i think is part of the theater background that i had at, at high school i really believed in making sketches and doing voices and little comedy bits and uh at the score they really appreciated that and i started imitating you know uh mike tyson you heard before i would do i would do jerry reinsdorf at a press conference you know we really believe we're making a lot of great shows <laughs> and I would just like mutter like that. And it was great. And I really got to know Jerry. Jerry's like, you really think I sound like that? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, Jerry, we think you sound like that. <laughs> oh, he was so uh, truly. And to this day, I am loyal to him because we would visit him at uh, New Comiskey Park before it was called Guaranteed Raid Field. And we'd be in the owner's box, me and Mike North and maybe Jesse Rogers. And Jerry would shake our hands and he would tell his friends and he'd point at me. He's like, this is the only guy in Chicago I let make fun of me. And I'm like, that's awesome. That's amazing. And especially at both stations, it was such a Forrest Gump life for me because you literally you would come in every day and, hey, Hank Aaron is in or, hey, Tina Turner is in or John Fogarty from CCR and Lyle Lovett and, oh, my God, Sean Colvin. And it was I, I was especially on the music side for XRT. I'm like, this is like living in a monkeys episode. It's all these amazing artists would come in. That's a great comparison. I love that. Yeah, and it was those kind of weird little rock moments, uh, or or when they would do live performances at Grant Park or at one of the theaters. I would be there and got to hang out in the the post concert hangout wherever we ended up and everything. And you know, Doctor John played uh, this incredible private concert for us. I remember one Fourth of July weekend. And I'm like, this is the life. I was so spoiled by those nine years at XRT and the score. I had other great radio jobs. Nothing could compare to that because it was still a very late, certainly on the XRT side, very laid back. And on the score side, it was just tons of fun. And also that immediacy of live news. You know, so, you know, someone would hit four home runs in one game. All right, we got to cover it. Let's see who we could get. And I was, I was always the, uh, the board op when I was producing and it really was exciting. And it's like, Hey, you're doing live radio, man. You got to keep on your toes. And it really was this great little like energy buzz of doing that kind of thing at the moment. So like I say, yeah, I really was spoiled. And you know, again, I, I, you, you were very nice in your introduction, Dwayne. I'm a foot soldier in broadcasting. You know, there are, there are much better and bigger broadcast success stories from new Trier, like Chet Kopic, like the late, great Nick Charles from uh, CNN. The two of them immediately come to mind. But, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I was a survivor, you know, 30 years. All right, 30 years, that's a that's a career. I got nothing to, you know, be, be ashamed of. And thankfully, I started the podcast in 2005, hoping to get more broadcast jobs. But then it became its own thing. And I've just leaned into that. And thankfully, it's, you know, it's been a reasonably successful enterprise.
I think that's going to be your new name. Broadcast foot soldier John Suntress uh, is is who we're talking to on the podcast today. And actually, since you since you bring up podcasting, I think that is is definitely where we're going to go next. We will we're going to take a, a quick commercial break. We will be back. You are listening to Nutria Performing Arts Stories. This episode of Nutria Performing Arts Stories is being brought to you by my new book, Rags, Riches, and Roller Coasters, My Life as a Serial Entrepreneur, by Dwayne Burkhardt. The book chronicles my incredible 25-year roller coaster ride during my crazy, difficult, wonderful, tragic, and amazing years as a small business entrepreneur. The book is available at Amazon.com in ebook, paperback, and hardback. Get your copy today. And we are back. We are talking with, as we just said, broadcast foot soldier, John Suntress. John, we, we talked a little bit about your radio career, and I want to come back really quickly before we talk about podcasting and and how that sort of changed your life and as it was changing the world. And But backing up for just a moment, talk a little bit about how your experience at WNTH was informative, how you were able to take those skills and just sort of, you know, transition from the apprenticeship sort of environment that you're in at WNTH into XRT and the score. Well, we took it seriously. I mean, it was a, you know, it was a high school club, but we were on the air. Uh, We had to, as I'm sure you did, had to go down to uh, the federal building uh, in Chicago and take the FCC Third class engineers. Yep. And I still have my original uh, license framed, and I'm very proud of that. I got it in, boy, showing our age, 1979. Yep, that's right. But that was the thing, man. I mean, it was, and and really, the advisors, Mr. Bushnell and Dr. Marin, they really instilled in us, like, hey, we're on the air. And whether you're DJing or doing a newscast or whatever, give your best effort. So, and again, with the examples of a great radio market like Chicago, we wanted to be like the pros. And you know, too, we were very fortunate because a lot of the parents of students worked at WGN, and so much of our equipment was donated by WGN. The father of a girl I dated for a year, in fact. <laughs> I'm assuming Holly Phillips. Right. Absolutely. Oh, Holly was great. And that's the thing, my God. So you had that, or Laura Respice's uh, father right. uh, was the uh, director of the Channel 9 News. So yeah, you, you Roy Leonard's kids were all over the place. So yeah, I mean, these are all ra- you know Chicago radio and television names, but that was the thing. And then they would come and speak to us and they, t- they took us seriously in our interest in broadcasting. So it only made us want to be better and do better. And God, you know, Dave Marin, great example, wonderful sportscaster the years that he was doing it, covering high school sports, took it seriously. Tim Monroe, another another great NTH guy that was doing sports. Our good friend Gary Price. I think what's really cool about that, you, what you're touching on there is something that's come up before and something I feel very strongly about. And that is that at WNTH, we were given a great deal of autonomy and a great deal of control. And this it was, it was very much a student-run enterprise. And yes. essentially, the upperclassmen part of their job was to train the underclassmen. And as you say, it was all, it was in fact, very serious. And if you wanted to be the guy in front of the microphone, 
you have to take it seriously. You have, you know, these are the people who are going to put you in that position and you have to show that you have the same level of respect and reverence for the position that you're being put in. And well, so, just, just, just like the, I'm sorry, just like the, uh, the theater program as well. I mean, that's the thing. Exactly. The, the gills in the theater department, they, their, their mission I covered this last year, but I'll say it again. Their mission was to make sure that every kid who crewed a show in Gaffney Auditorium left that experience fully qualified to walk into any Broadway theater in New York and already be you know, capable of, of crewing a show. Absolutely. That's their job. And, and, you know, and yeah, you're right. I, Mr. Bushnell, and they were very, they were great advisors when you needed them, but honest to God, I think I saw the guy three times in four years. I mean, they were very, you know, when, when things would go wrong, it their their response was, wow, that sounds serious. What what are your plans? Right. <laughs> you know, what's, what are your plans to fix it? <laughs> right. No, and that was the great thing. Everyone brought their strengths right. to the radio station and were allowed to flourish with the talents they had. And um, I think I leaned more on my music knowledge at West for two years. And then when the schools merged, I really got influenced in a great way by people like Cameron McWhorter and uh, the other East people who are much more into new wave and new music. And then all of a sudden that was really exciting because it was blending top 40 hits with, you know, split ends and some of the great new wave bands, Elvis Costello, certainly, and other guys and women that the pretenders were certainly a huge influence on us. And it was great where, all of a sudden, we were kind of much like XRT. XRT was really our model of combining eclectic music with with popular music. I don't know if you got the chance to listen to my interview last year with Chris Polidoris, but she talks about that. And she was really one of the drivers. In fact, really the main driver behind that shift. Because again, you're right. In our year group, we were all coming from this AOR Top 40 background. And here comes Chris. And you mentioned WNUR earlier. And Chris is a big WNUR fan in, in the sense that she sees them as, you know, she knew that we were kind of considered like the kid brother, but she didn't think that we should be, that we should, we can, we can, and if anything they can do, we can do better. And their focus in that direction led to her focus. And she was the reason that all of a sudden the cart deck kind of suddenly begins shifting rather significantly into the psychedelic furs and madness and you know as you say all all these this as that as that shift in music happens in the early 80s i love chris and i love pete farnsworth too was another great guy pete and chris really again yeah they evolved what we started and while chris was doing all that stuff at nth uh when she was a senior that's when i was at illinois state suggesting those same ideas yeah. and that same shift so it doesn't surprise me what she did after after I left. And again, that's the thing. It was the handoff. Now we were the upperclassmen and we were letting the underclassmen kind of do their thing and being like, hey, that's great. This is this is your toy now. Let us get out of the way and let you have fun. Because yeah, you know, by senior year it was like, all right, well, and and truly, and you know this and everyone who went to Nutria knows this, what a great high school, what a great laboratory for for kids to find themselves. And and that kind of opportunity, you didn't have to take it, but it was there for you. And I feel like I was one of those people. And that's why truly, uh, I still very much feel that uh, everything I learned at New Trier still applies to things I do today, 40 years later. 
I, I love that. I love that a, a laboratory to help kids find themselves. I need to write that down because I think that is one of the best definitions of Nutrier that I have ever heard. What a brilliant, brilliant point from my good friend John Suntress and a good place for us to pause until next week. So, until then, Nutrier Performing Art Stories is a copyrighted production of Narratives, LLC. It is written, directed, produced, and mercilessly edited by yours truly, Dwayne Burkhardt. Because that's what I have to do when my guest is also someone who has been a really good friend for many years, and we both just keep talking. For those living in the Nutrier area, a reminder that the Frosh Soft Musical Workshop will be performing this Thursday, Friday, and Saturday in Cornog Auditorium. For more information about our podcast, or to suggest a guest or sponsor, please email info at NutrierPADStories.com. Please join us next week for part two of my interview with John Suntress. And then, in December, we'll have a very special interview with actress and Oscar nominee, Virginia Madsen. Until then, thanks for listening. Please hit that subscribe button, and we'll see you next time.